Well, I have some good news uh, for you today. Uh, the good news is that 2020 is not driving you crazy. You may think it is, but it's not. 2020 is not driving you crazy. What's driving you crazy is social media. And um, that's kind of bad news because uh, 2020 will eventually be over, I hope. 2020 will someday be over. But social media, uh, there's no sign that social media is going away. And social media is driving people crazy. And um, uh, so so that's bad news. But I, I have more good news. The, the good news is that in our reading today, we're going to see uh, we're going to see how we can regain our sanity and and hold on to it. And the the best news of all is you don't even have to be a Christian to do this. It's something that that anybody can do, and they don't have to be a Christian. So we're just gonna we're gonna figure that out as we go along, um, and we can begin applying it immediately. We can we can be part of the the turning back of the tide of crazy that that we've all been seeing over the last couple of months. So. So we are wrapping up this uh, conversation. We have been looking at a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, the church in Thessalonica. Thessalonica was a, um, a community in ancient Greece. It was the, the capital of a, of a district called Macedonia. And Paul had been there until fairly recently. And then there was something went wrong. There were riots. There was a violence. And Paul got expelled. And uh so Paul is now writing a letter to to uh, to that that community uh, to kind of tell them you know what's to, to now that he knows what's happened he's had some people who told him and so now he's writing a letter to kind of follow up with him uh, since he can't go back himself so that's that's the letter we've been looking at and um, obviously the situation was very different then it was a different culture it was a different era. Um, and uh, it was a different language even. So, so there's a lot of ways that this letter is, is different or the context of this letter is different, but there's some things that are very similar too because they were having a bad year and so are we. So in their case, in their, in the case of uh, the Thessalonians, their bad year was, was those things that they had had this community that had gotten started and then, um, it came to, uh, well, it didn't come to an end, but Paul's involvement with it came to an abrupt end because of the rioting and the, the violence, and he got expelled. So so that's where things were. And that led to a leadership crisis because Paul had been leading the church, and now uh, he's he's out of the picture, and so uh, they, they don't even have a, a leader. So they've got a lot of problems, and um, our problems are different. And, you know, we could rehearse them at great length, but you know what they are. 2020, we've had the COVID crisis. We've had um, the the downstream effects of the COVID crisis with the, the lockdown. Um, so uh, uh, we, we've been dealing with, first of all, the, the medical problem of the <clears throat> of the COVID virus and then all of the lockdown-oriented things um, uh, in schools and businesses. My brother is a public school teacher in New Mexico, and he was telling me the other day that he's got real concerns for the impact that the, the way that schooling is taking place now, uh, the, the impact that that's going to have on an entire generation of students. So uh, we, we don't know, but but it's certainly something that, that could be the case. We know uh, a little bit about the economic troubles that have that have come um, as a result of the lockdown, the, the businesses that have been closed and the layoffs and things like that. We know that the, the response that the, the, the government has provided has, has, um, 
has provided some relief to that, but those bills are going to come due someday. You can't just uh, print money. And so we know that there's going to be these economic effects. And, of, and then downstream from all of this are, are, are other kinds of, of social problems. Uh, we know that with, with increasing unemployment, um, that there's an increase in domestic violence, there's an increase in substance abuse um, and, and alcohol abuse, and we know that there's an increase in suicide. So we know that these, these problems have downstream effects. So we know uh, we know of these problems that have just come as a b- result of the the COVID uh, the COVID pandemic. But then there have been other problems too, uh, beginning with the death of George Floyd and continuing on through the the situation with Breonna Taylor. There have been uh, protests about police violence and and um, qualified immunity and no knock warrants and things like this. We've seen these sort of uh, concerns, and we've seen the protests that have come about as a result of that uh, with organizations like Antifa and Black Lives Matters. Um, and we've seen how some of these protests have have uh, descended into rioting. There have been an increase in shootings in many towns. Um, and uh, I just saw a statistic about the number of times people have driven cars into crowds. So there's been a lot of very, very bad and disturbing things that have come about um, downstream from these protests. And then, of course, we've got the regular everyday problems, the the electrical outages we've seen in California and then wildfires throughout the western United States, hurricanes in the southeast, and and all of the, the usual problems that, that are part of that. So, so 2020 has been a bad year for us, different from in Thessalonica, but but a very bad year. Um, and, and despite that, like I said, 2020 is not what's driving you crazy. What's driving you crazy is social media. And if you say, well, well, Pastor Luke, I don't have social media. I don't, I don't even have a phone. Uh, that may be true, but social media is still driving you crazy because it's driving our society crazy. Um, and you are part of this society. So, so collectively, we are being driven crazy by social media. There was a survey that said uh, 70% of the people who responded to the survey uh, agreed that that Democrats and Republicans could not even agree on the facts of, of a number of different issues, much less what would be the best public policy to respond to that that factual situation. There's just disagreement about the very facts, and one side says, well, that's Fox News, and the other says, no, that's fake news, and so forth, back and forth. Um, um, <clears throat> and disagreement over the facts really goes back, um, uh, who knows how far back. It certainly goes back as far as the Spanish-American War, because that's when the, the term um, yellow journalism was was uh, coined to describe the way the newspapers were, were fanning hostility about about the situation um, there to sell newspapers. And, of course, that got a lot worse in the 1980s as as newspapers began to be replaced in, in, in the, the uh, influence in the media by t- TV news. And in the 1980s, the, the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads, became the, 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 the mechanism that people used to judge newsworthiness, that, that what was going to lead off the evening news would be the, the tragedy, the, the, the terrible car accident or the fire in, an, in some building, that the, the more disastrous the problem, the better news it made. So that was TV news in the 80s. And, of course, with the rise of the Internet, it just got that much Worse as as uh, news media began being driven by clicks and and um, uh, we we got the rise of clickbait where there was one weird trick or we'd read about how this person destroyed that person Trump destroys Biden or Biden destroys destroys uh, 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 Trump so we'd see these sort of um, uh, articles 
And that was back when the internet was websites, and, and it's gotten even worse with the rise of social media. Um, because social media uh, is driven by engagement. That's the word they use for how much time you spend on it. Because there, there's a saying uh, with, with social media, which is that if you're not paying for a service, then you aren't the customer. You're the product. So if you're getting Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or something like that, if you're getting that for free, that's because what they're doing is they're engaging you and then selling you, selling your attention, selling your eyeballs to advertisers and, and other people who, who market things uh, based on your attention span. So... So um, it's it's risen um, to, uh, as as social media has risen. Uh, our engagement is what drives the profitability of those platforms, and so one of the things they do to make them more engaging, or or I would say more addictive, is is they use uh, uh, appeals to our uh, basic emotions, and in particular the the emotions of fear and anger. So so um, uh, we see this this sort of uh, um, uh, uh, built into the platforms themselves that they are designed to foster uh, fear and uh, anger because that's a proven way of getting people to stay engaged. And then if you factor in that there's also trolls and bots who are trying to make things uh, to stir the pot, then all the more reason why we find that social media um, is very is very engaging, very addictive, but it's also very bad for us. Uh, the psychologist Daniel Goleman uh, says says we we fall victim to something called amygdala hijack. The amygdala is the part of our brain that processes our emotions, and when it's uh, stimulated, when the when the emotional center of our brain is stimulated, it kind of overrules, it hijacks the higher level functions, so we don't think as clearly when we're we're amped up. So. So we, we suffer from this amygdala hijack. And as a result of these factors, um, time online is highly correlated with increases in the rates of anxiety and depression and suicide. That the more time you spend online, the, the more likely it is that you will suffer from anxiety or depression or suicide. That this is just something that people have observed. And the reasoning seems to be, uh, at least in part, this, this amygdala hijack, this, this appeal to our, to our, uh, uh, primitive emotions. So, so that's the way that social media is making us crazy. But as I said, there is good news. There's something we can do about it. And it's described in our reading today. So we're, we're, we're looking at this passage um, from the the very end of Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church, and um, in it he's going to explain what we can do to uh, to uh, regain our sanity. So he begins by talking about the leadership crisis. Remember, he's been kicked out of town; he can't go back. So he begins by talking about the leadership crisis. He says, "Brothers and sisters," so everyone in the church. He says, brothers and sisters, we ask you to respect those who are working with you, leading you, and instructing you. Think of them highly with love because of their work. So he says, he says that, that you have leaders. There are already leaders in your church, and you can, you, you know who they are. They're the ones who are leading you, who are instructing you, who are working with you. That, 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 that's, that's who they are, and you should appreciate their effort. He's saying that, that these people have stepped up into this this vacuum, into this crisis. People within the church have stepped up in order to help things out. 
Now, in some of the other letters we have in the New Testament, uh, we see that there are formal leaders, that there are people with with offices in the church, people who are called elders and bishops and things like that, deacons. Um, and that may have been the case in Thessalonica. Uh, we don't know, but Paul doesn't refer to that. He doesn't he doesn't give us anything that would make that um, seem seem to be the case. Uh, it would appear, at least from this letter, that that the way Paul had to leave in a hurry, that there wasn't an opportunity to to build that kind of local leadership. But but people seem to have stepped in um, to to do the work. And Paul's saying, uh, appreciate that. Make it make it easy for them. And in fact, he tells them specifically some things they can do that will make them make it easier. He says, live in peace with each other. So don't make them have to be referees for everything. And then he says, brothers and sisters, so again, he's talking to the whole church. He says, we urge you to warn those who are disorderly, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and for everyone else. So he gives them this list and says, don't make them have to be the 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 bad cop. That, that you A lot of these problems you can sort out yourself. You don't need to go to the leader and say, hey, you know, you know, you know, he was poking me or whatever, whatever the, the first century problems was. He says, he says, there's people who've stepped up into leadership, make their job easier. So, uh, warn those who are disorderly. If somebody's causing trouble, then take them to one side and say, hey, you know, you're causing trouble. Don't wait for a leader to do it. He says, comfort the discouraged. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. He's, he's not saying, you know, become a policeman who has to, you know, uh, patrol the, the 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 Christian community there, but he's saying he's saying be patient, but at the same time don't don't assume that that you know it's somebody else's job to 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 be a leader. So so do what you can to help make things easier. And he says make sure no one repays a wrong with a wrong, but always pursue the good for each other and for everyone else. In other words, um, it, whether somebody within the church or he says everyone, uh, everyone else, he says people outside. Remember, there's a context here that that the church is being um, uh, persecuted. There, there there have been riots. There have been there's been violence, and uh, what we saw last week is it, it even seems as if there's been some some deaths. We don't know whether those were from natural causes or as part of the rioting and the violence. So Paul's saying that that there's a tricky situation here, and Insofar as it's up to you, make uh, you know get along with people, um, get along with people within the church, and get along with people outside the church. And if they are doing wrong to you, don't return wrong to them. So Paul says to do that. So that's how he begins this section. But then he gives us the the solution, the solution that we can apply to the problem of social media. What is that? He says, rejoice always, rejoice always. Two words. In fact, uh, it may interest you to know this is the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament. That um, that these two words in, in Greek are the shortest verse in the whole New Testament. Now, if you're into Bible trivia, if you watch Jeopardy or something like that, you may be thinking that the shortest verse in the New Testament is Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. Um, and in English, that's true. In English, John thirty five is the shortest verse. But um, in the Greek text, that's actually three words because the way the Greek language works is they put a, they put an article in front of people's names. So it's not Jesus wept, it's the Jesus wept. So that makes it uh, longer because it's got that extra word. So, so, um, this is the shortest verse in the New Testament. Paul says, rejoice always. Rejoice always. In, in the midst of rioting and violence, probably death, um, that in, in all these troubles, Paul says to rejoice always. 
And we might say, really, really, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of, of protests and rioting, in the midst of this terrible political season, in the midst of wildfires and hurricanes, in the midst of all these problems, rejoice always. Really, Paul. And Paul would say, absolutely. This is something that you have the power to do in the worst circumstances. And I can verify that. Since my daughter died, people have been so helpful. Not a day has gone by that I haven't had something that I could say, I'm so glad that person took that load off my back. The very first day, that, that night, when we phoned Dennis and Jenny and said, can you make the calls? Because we couldn't. We could not make the calls. So we called someone from our church, and they made all the calls. And that's gone on for the last six weeks now. We've had people who have helped us in every possible way. They, they set up a meal plan, uh, a meal train. They, they, uh, provided meals to us. Uh, they've done, uh, uh, countless chores related to, to putting on the, the visitation. And I've had people who have helped me in, in a dozen different ways besides that. There has been something every day that I could give thanks to God for, that I could rejoice in the way that, that this church has helped us in our troubles. So yes, you can certainly uh, rejoice in even the worst of circumstances. About two weeks ago, I had the thought go through my head. It, it just passed through. It didn't stay there. But the thought went through my head that instead of dwelling on my loss, that I could rejoice in 21 wonderful years with my daughter. Now, it didn't last, but that thought has occurred to me a couple of times. And my prayer is that over time, I will be in a better place where I can, where I can actually treasure, I can appreciate the, the good times, the, the happy memories, um, and not simply grieve the loss of my daughter. So, yes, there are things we can rejoice even in the worst circumstances. This spring, um, I remember uh, shortly after we all went into our COVID uh, lockdown, I saw there was a there was a little um, uh, thing that happened on social media. Um, I saw it on Facebook. You may have seen it somewhere else, but it was this idea of post a picture of some place you've been. Uh, that doesn't include you. In other words, not just a selfie, you know, here I am, but just a, just a beautiful picture. You know, this is, uh, this is the Grand Canyon or whatever. Some picture that you had of something, uh, that was, that was beautiful enough for you to take a picture of it. Post that. And the idea was to flood the internet with beauty. That there, that there were things, even when we didn't know how, how deadly, uh, the COVID pandemic would turn out to be. I mean, we still don't know, but, but we had no idea back in March, but people were saying, in this dark time, there are things we can rejoice. We can rejoice in beauty. I went on social media, and there were things there that terrified me, but there were also things that I could rejoice over. And uh, I've seen that from time to time since then. People have tried to make uh, social media a place for, um, for, for higher, better, better responses to our problems. I saw one the other day that was simply said, uh, describe something good that happened to you today, that it was encouraging people, just just think of something good that happened to you. And um, 
Uh, my my advice to you, the way I would say, here's what I can do uh, in response to what Paul teaches here, as my way of rejoicing always, is do that. Don't don't wait for the hashtag. Don't wait till somebody else does it. Do it yourself. Uh, when something good uh, crosses your mind, when something uh, good happens to you, post that on social media. Put it up there, and and then turn off your phone, because so much of what we put on social media is designed to really get get likes, right? We put it there, and then we keep checking to see do people like it. And you know what? If it's really good, there's probably going to be some hater who says, you know, you're oblivious to all the pain and suffering in our life. You know that you're just you're just some Pollyanna who's who's only interested. You know, you, you you're coming from a position of privilege or whatever. Uh, people may say that that you're insensitive because you posted something that uh, was designed to make people uh, a little bit happier. And so turn off the phone. Um, if you're not good at turning off your phone, I'm not good at turning off my phone. So what I did is I took uh, Facebook and Twitter off my phone. And now the only way I can access social media is I actually have to go find a desktop someplace and log in. So uh, that's that's what I'm doing. Because it's not about the clicks. It's about, it's about sharing some uh, a mental health break with the people uh, that, that you're friends with, just just to rejoice always. Now, if you're a Christian, there's so many things we can rejoice besides that. We can rejoice in the fact that there's a God who's loved us, who who does love us, and who has acted in Christ to save us. We can rejoice in the fact that that uh, this world is not the end of the story. That that Christ will return in glory to to uh, complete the work of salvation. We have so much more to to be grateful for and to rejoice in. But but even if you're not a Christian, these are things we can do to make the world a little bit better. That that we can we can make a social media drive everyone a little bit less crazy. Paul concludes this letter by reminding people that they have divine help. He says in verse 17, he says, "Pray continually." Um, uh, he means that uh, you don't have to wait for Sunday. You can pray any time of the day or night. Because God is always available. He's, he's always there to listen. So pray, uh, pray whenever you want to. Um, give thanks in every situation because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He's saying, he's saying, you, you, you can, you can have confidence of at least one thing in the, in the worst circumstances. You can say, there's one thing I know for sure, which is that God is not up in heaven going, wait, what happened? God is not surprised by it. And God has a plan to deal with it. And, it may not be the plan we would have picked. It may involve pandemics. I don't even know. But he says the one thing we can be confident of is that God either desires this in its own right or that God has some plan for working through it for the good of of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So, so Paul says we can give thanks in every circumstance. And then he says don't suppress the spirit. Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages. But Examine everything. This is not just a club. We're not just a, a civic organization. That we are a spirit-filled community and that God will work in us and through us to, to bring a grace and healing and mercy into the world. So he says lean into that. Uh, listen for the spirit. Um, don't, don't suppress it. Don't brush off spirit-inspired messages. And then he concludes with a prayer. Now may the God of peace himself peace. He's saying, may the God of, of, of wholeness and shalom, uh, may the God of, of tranquility 
cause you to be completely dedicated to him. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept and intact and blameless at our Lord Jesus' coming. So he prays that, and then he concludes this way, the one who is calling you is faithful and will do this, that this is something we can count on, that that in the worst of circumstances, we remember that that God will will bring to completion the good plan he has for us and for creation. So it's been a tough year. It was a tough year when Paul wrote this letter, and I imagine there's been plenty of tough years in between. We have something that makes it hard for us. We have social media. We have the ability to hear about problems on the far side of the country and the far side of the world and to be anxious because because it never stops. We can take our phone to bed with us if we want to, and we can be anxious all night long. We have that. But we also have the ability to rejoice always, that even in the worst of circumstances, there are things that we can rejoice over. So rejoice always, even in 2020. Rejoice always, even on social media. It'll be good for your health, and it'll be good for society. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for social media. It has its uses, but Lord, we we know that um, there are circumstances related to it that make it uh, sometimes magnify the worst impulses of people, Lord. So help us to be a counter a counter force to that, that we can help to outweigh the negative, the negative energy on social media uh, with positive energy. Help us to look at even our, our bad circumstances and to see your grace and mercy shining through um, uh, in, in those circumstances and in the, the things that people are doing um, with us and for us. We pray all these things in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.